Are you glad you're here tonight? God's got something, uh, God's got something for us. Very excited. You know, last week we shared a little bit, and I'm going to go back and just, just not talk about it, but just fill in just a little bit of the cracks if you weren't here last week. You know, last week we started reaching your destination. And uh, we, we've been talking in this church, and I went through in the beginning of the service last week and read through some of the messages and talked about some of the things that have been shared over the last couple months uh, on, on Sundays and on Wednesdays by, by me and by Pastor Pam, by Woody Woodson, by, by Caleb ha- Worley as he was here, you know, at the end of uh, August, by Pastor Stanley, he was here in the beginning of August, kind of went through and kind of began to weave just a little bit of a bridge for us to see what God has been saying, that, that we're entering into a new place and a new season, that he's taking us from where we were to where we want to go. You know, Pastor Stanley shared a message that said, what is in your hand? And it goes along a little bit with what Elizabeth just shared. You know, what do we have? Use what you have. Part of the word that God has given me, I think, for the next year, for my life at least, is to do what I can with what I have. Too many times in, in the world today, we, we look at what we don't have, and that dictates what we don't do. Instead of saying, what has God asked me to do, and then look, with, look what I have, with, what's in my hand, I'm going to use that. Because if I can use what I have, God will take care of the rest. The young boy brought his lunch, and we had that, that message that was 12 baskets full as we finished that series, really jumping up and down and excited about what God did through putt-putt and all those things. Last week, we talked about reaching our destination, and a couple keys were know where you're going and move in that direction. If you know where you're going and you begin to move in that direction, eventually you'll get there. And we talked about writing the vision, some of the things that we did. We talked about the fact that when you write the vision, it says make it plain so that you can read it. We, we talked about it quite a bit. We said obstacles come. Don't let limitations stop you. The poor boys who came with their sick friend on the bed, they came to a house in, in Mark in chapter 5, and they, Jesus was in there. But there were so many people gathered around that there was no opportunity. They knew the answer was in the house, but there was no opportunity to get there. They didn't let the limitations stop them. They tore the roof off the place and lowered him down to Jesus. You know, in our lives as we go, we write a vision and we have a lot of limitations. We have a lot of things that happen. We have a lot of stuff that goes on. But I'm going to encourage you that if we will continue to press through, if we'll continue to press into what God has for us each day, he will eventually bring that thing to pass. It says, though it tarry, wait for it. It says, though it tarry, wait for it, that it will surely come in your life. And tonight, I I didn't plan on making a second part to this. I didn't plan on having, you know, uh, the backup to what we talked about last week. But as I was praying and woke up this morning, I love it as God begins to speak to me on Wednesday mornings what to share. And and I knew like, I mean, I know when he he doesn't want me to share because I wake up and I don't have anything. So I start getting a little panicky and start praying a little harder. But uh, most of the time I wake up and I I hear what he's talking to me. It's not always at like 8 o'clock. Sometimes it's 4 o'clock in the morning and 5 o'clock in the morning. I begin to regurgitate what he's speaking to me. And really the word that, that he began to speak to me was this word about, about living without fear in our life. And I didn't tie it to last week's message when he was sharing it with me. But, but as I began to put this together, I began to realize that if we're going into a new season, we're going into a new place, there's going to be limitations. There's going to be new challenges. There's going to be new opportunities for us to be afraid. There's going to be a new opportunity because in the old opportunities, you couldn't do it either. And you came through them because God is faithful. You didn't have fear. You had faith. Fear and faith don't mix together. They're separate. And if you'll walk in faith, you won't have to worry about fear. Fear will come. You'll sense fear, but you don't have to respond in fear. You don't have to be fearful. You can be above that. We'll go through some scriptures and we'll talk about it a little bit. 
You know, when I woke up and I, and I began to hear that and began to see that, I, I remembered last night at a banquet that we were, a lady said that the, uh, the lady was up at the front and she was talking and was sharing that in the newspaper there's a thing called, uh, what is it, faith, to, what is that thing called? Profiles of Faith. And she said the Profiles of Faith was out, you know, and all the different churches advertised in it. And, and I remembered we advertised in that, but I hadn't seen one. So I called Corey and I, you know, I just said, hey, can you get a couple of those? I didn't even see it. I missed it. I don't always get the paper and all those kind of things. And then when I got it and I, and I looked at the back, I went through it, you know, today and kind of just reading it and seeing what's going on in the town and all the different churches that are, that are around here. In the back, it says, fear ends where faith begins. You know, and so God's really speaking, speaking to me anyway, so I'm going to pour it on you and let you deal with it as you go home. But God's really speaking to me that there's not, this is not a time and this is not an opportunity to be afraid. It's a time to stand in faith, to be strong, to be courageous. I'm not saying that you're not going to face things that will bring fear your way, but I am saying that you can overcome that and you don't have to succumb to fear. We, we all will have opportunities to be afraid. We will all face situations that are somewhat fearful. And I remember today, uh, today, earlier, as I was putting this together, I remembered an email that uh, Pete Dywart had sent me back in March, and uh, I went searching for it in my email. We had just come back from the Sudan, and I shared that message, you know, about being the light in the world. And, and really what I shared was the fact that when I went there, man, I, was, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't, like, terrified, but I'm telling you what, there were every opportunity for me to be terrified in that place. All the things that I didn't like, all the things that I had an opportunity to be fearful of, they all lived there. And so I, you know, I, was, I, I shared that, you know, I, and I shared about the fact that if you're going to be the light in the world, you're going to have to get over some stuff. You're going to, get, get, going to have to get past yourself, and you're going to have to allow God to do something in you regardless of what you see, what you feel, and all of those different things. I had to eat some things, and it was just better off not asking what it was. Well, that freaks me out, you know. I always ate, I ate cheeseburgers, green beans, and tater tots every meal of my life from the time I was about six years old to the time I was about 20. I mean, that's all, that's all I ate. I did not eat stuff. They didn't have tater tots there. <laughs> and none of it looked like hamburger and french fries. I didn't know what it was, but it was all good. But he sent me, he wasn't here that day, and he listened to the message online, and then he sent me this, he sent me this email, and it, it, it inspired him a little bit because it, it, how many of you have heard a word at church, and it links something that you'd already been, you've been looking, and God's been investigating in your life, or God's been taking you in that direction. And, and in his life, he, he works as a trainer, and he does this thing called CrossFit, and it's a little community and things that he does. But, but he sent me this email, and, and afterwards, he, he told me that, that really in his, in, his, in his realm when he does this, there's a term that they use, and it's called unscared. And, and really what they talk about is, is in their world, live unscared. And so that's why the title tonight is Reaching Your Destination, Living Unscared. And he put it like this, it's, like, it's living a life unafraid of physical challenges because you know you have prepared for the unforeseen and unknowable. And really, physically, in their world, what this particular thing is that he does, it's not training like we know it. It's a little different training. But what it does is it allows him to do just about anything physically that he needs to do. He can do this. They're 20-minute, 30-minute workouts. I'm not pumping up his deal. I'm just telling you what's going on. But, you know, they're 15 to 25-minute workouts. They're real quick. They're real high-paced. They're real energy. They'll, they'll make you throw up and cry and do a whole bunch of stuff real quick. But he'll do that, and then he'll go run a marathon. I mean, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do it today and then go run a marathon, but over a period of time, it allows them, because they've trained, it allows them to not worry about, to not be afraid, to be unscared of the thing that's coming tomorrow because they have trained for it today. 
And then he, he said, as he went on, he said, really, when you're living in God's will 100% of your life, you can truly live unscared. You know you have spiritually prepared for the unforeseen and the unknowable. And, you know, I went right back to that today because I, I remember what he said, and, and that really struck me at that moment, that we can live our life unscared. I'm not saying that the opportunity to be scared won't present itself, but you don't have to be scared. Because you have prepared, if you're walking in God's will, if you're walking in his anointing, like we talked about last week, if you have the vision, if you know the will of God for your life and the direction for you to go today, he is the one who takes care of it, not you. You just have to do it. And if we'll just do it, he'll take care of it. That makes it possible for us to live unscared. And the story that God brought back to my remembrance was in Numbers in chapter 13. And it was on my notes last week, but I don't think I got to it. But it was the spies. And we talked about writing the vision. And these people had just come out, you know. I mean, they've just come out of Egypt, and they're on their way to the promised land. And really what they end up doing in this moment is taking an 11-day journey and making it last 40 years. That really is what it is. It was 11 day, it's an 11-day journey from where they were into the promised land, and it took them 40 years to do it. Why? Because they got afraid. And here, here's a little bit more. You can say, well, I'll wait 40 years, then I just won't get it in 11 days. Most of them didn't get it at all. See, it took them, it took them from 11 days to 40 years. It took them 40 years to do it, and most of them didn't, ever, didn't even see it. See, not only was it postponed in their life because of fear, they didn't see the promise in their life because of fear. So in our life, I am telling you, it is imperative that if the vision that we talked about and started to write down and went home excited about last week, to see that fulfilled in your life, whether it's today or next week or next year, you have to live your life unscared and you can't be afraid. Because God's going to ask you to do some things in the midst of him working it out, he's going to ask you to do some things that you can't do. He's going to put you in positions where you have to trust him. And I'm telling you, every time you give more than you think you can give, there's an opportunity to be afraid. Every time he asks you to do more than you think you can do, there's an opportunity for you to be scared. It's the same for you as it is for me. We've tried in our life, and you know I talk about it all the time, but we've tried in our life to give more and more every year than we gave the last year. If it gets close, I start checking in December, and I try to figure out where I can find some money somewhere so I, we can continually give more than we did the year before. And I'm telling you what, sometimes you know it's exciting in December, but boy, about July and October and November and December, in the beginning it could be a little nerve-wracking because we're, God's asking us to give more in times where we need more. But we've learned a long time ago, don't be scared. Don't be in fear. Walk in faith. If God's asking you to do it, he's asking you to do it in faith. And where faith is, fear isn't. Where faith exists, fear isn't. And if you look at the spies and you look at their situation, they knew the vision. See, and that's why last week it was important that we come together. And you say, oh, I wasn't here last week. It's all right. You can get it online at victorylafayette.org. Check it out. It was two weeks ago when we did it. You can go back there, get that message, listen to it. Really, we just talked about vision and what God's put in our heart to do. And then beginning to walk it out step by step, ask him what he has for us in those places. Now, in those places, as we walk them out, we have to be able to do it unafraid. We have to be able to do it unscared. The world can be a scary place. People are fearful all over. It's, it's running rampant. People are doing crazy things financially. They're doing crazy things relationally. They're doing crazy things in their individual lives because they're afraid. 
because they're fearful. They don't know what's going to happen. And so all of these different things are happening all around the world and people are reacting out of fear. We don't have to act that way in the church. But there are people in the church acting that way. See, in the church, we have the answer. In the church, we have the truth. We know that God will come through for us. Has he come through from you somewhere in the past? Yes. He's come through for you. Then he's going to come through for you again. He's the God who always comes through. He's the God who always makes a way where there is no way. And if you read this in verse 27 of Numbers chapter 13, it says, Then they told him, We went to the land where you sent us, Moses, and it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. You know, you begin to see stuff, and you know that God told you this, and you, you were all excited when he spoke it to you, and you wrote it down, and you've gone back to it four and five, six times, and maybe it's been a year, maybe it's been two years, but you've gone back to those things, and he continues to bring it up in your spirit. You know it's him. You're excited about it, and it's true, and you're starting to see maybe a piece here and a piece there. Like these people came back from the, from the promised land, they came back over and said, it is, it is exactly what he said it was going to be. How many of you doubt that God really truly can do exactly what he's speaking to you that he can do? We don't doubt that. Now what we have to do is not doubt that as we live tomorrow. Not doubt that as we live next week. Not doubt that in the face of not seeing it. Not doubt that in the face of it being bigger than what we are. Because these are things that happened to them and they began to respond the opposite way. They began to respond scared, not unscared. It says, nevertheless, the people who dwell on the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell on the land in the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell on the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Caleb tried to tell them that they're wrong, that they need to go, and then they shut him up and, and shouted him down and said, but the men who had gone up with him, they said, we're not able to go up against those people for they're stronger than we are. They began to be afraid. Fear, doubt, and unbelief began to enter in. And where those things happen, faith exits. And when faith exits, God's hand moves off where faith is present god's hand moves on and so what we have to realize is when we begin to operate scared when we, when we begin to, to in our life operate in fear we, 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 we begin to operate in doubt and unbelief and we're unsure we're not and now we start to get scared now we're not going to move and now all of a sudden we've looked at ourselves we looked at our situations we look at our circumstances they're bigger than we are we've started to act in fear and god's hand begins to move off where we are don't make your 11-day journey become a 40-year nightmare. A couple weeks ago, I was at a funeral talking to a gentleman who I've talked to for years. You may know these kind of people, may, may know this kind of situation. Been talking to this guy for a long time. It, it, it's so difficult when you deal with people who, who are saved and who know the truth and who just refuse to live it and do it. And many times they're, not, they're, 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 just, they're just, they're so scared, so bound up, so prideful and so afraid that they just, they just refuse to do it. I just can't, this is what the guy said, I can't make myself do it. I know what I need to do, but I can't forgive myself enough to act on it and to do it. I said, then your life is going to be miserable and there's absolutely nothing that I can do to help you. If you're going to, in your, in your own self, if you're going to make the choice that says, I, I know the truth, and I'm just not going to go there. It, makes, it really makes me feel for him. But really, that puts you in a place where there, there's, there's, all I can do is just pray for you that something happens. 
these people came upon a situation where they knew the truth. I'm not saying they were like this guy that I just talked about, but they came into a situation where they knew the truth, that God was going to bring them into this promised land, that he was going to give it to them. All they had to do was report the good report and go forth unscared and then see God's hand move. Because isn't that what happened just a couple, couple books down the road? See, when they finally got to Joshua, that's what happened. It was the same situation, and it was the same kind of deal, but when they said it's time to go, the people picked up their stuff, and they said, yes, sir, I believe you, let's go. Whereas 40 years earlier, what was the problem? They'd learned a lesson, whatever, but they had decided that they weren't going to do that, that they were going to instead be scared, and in our life, we can't do that. You have to change the things that you think. They thought, they knew, they were sure that they couldn't do it in themselves, and they were exactly right. I'm telling you where you are today, you can't do it in yourself. You don't have the ideas, you don't, you don't have you in yourself, you don't have the means to do it. But you step out in faith and do it anyway, and then God brings the means, God brings the wisdom, God brings the things that you need to do it see they didn't have it it was a revolutionary idea to them to go out there and to try something different the first two guys caleb and joshua they got it they went on when they finally did come to joshua and they began to move across the river everybody else had the same revolutionary thought let's go we are with you we are not scared we are not afraid. What do they actually say instead? They continued to encourage them by saying, be strong and of good courage. Why? Because they were going to face some things that were going to freak them out. They were going to face some opportunities where they couldn't do anything about it. God was going to take them on this journey, and he was going to do it, but they had to move. In Isaiah chapter 55, the scripture says that, that it's his ways that are higher than our ways, his thoughts that are higher than our thoughts. Instead of allowing fear to rule in our life, instead of allowing us to, to walk, maybe be scared, why don't, we, why don't we stand in faith and why don't we ask God what he thinks? See, there's a reason why it says go back to what he told you, go back to the word of God, go back to that vision that you wrote down because it encourages you and it builds you up. See, it takes you from where you are now to a new place. But it takes you out of who you are. We want to do this in what we know. We want to do this in our strength. We want to do this with our own might. We want to do this with our own finances. I mean, we want to, we want to try to provide for our own selves. What we really truly have to understand is we're a steward of all that we are, and if we'll just take care of what he's given us and move out into what he has for us, he will make the difference. He will make it up. You got a buck, he wants you to be a $100 bill, you step out, he brings, he brings 99 your way. He will complete you in that place, but we have to step out. We have to change our mind and we have to change our thoughts. Have you ever had a little one that's, that's scared? Have you ever, ever had a little one that, that's, that, you know, you don't tell them that the boogeyman doesn't exist, you tell them that they're all that they can be. You can't convince them that the boogeyman doesn't exist because they know he's in the closet. But what do you tell them and what do you teach them as they're growing, as they're maturing in the Lord? You begin to teach them about how good God is. You begin to teach them about how big God is. 
You begin to talk about his love and his protection. You begin to talk about his goodness and how he pours that into their life. You talk about the goodness, you don't talk about the badness. You can't convince them because they still think it's under the bed. But you tell them that God's bigger than that thing. You tell them that God is with them and that if God be for them, who can be against them? You teach them that you are an overcomer and then the greater one that lives in you is greater than he who is in the world. You begin to teach them the word of God. They begin to battle. They begin to fight just like we would begin to fight spiritually against principalities and against powers. And now all of a sudden they are learning at a young age to live their life unscared, to live their life unafraid. That they don't have to be afraid of that shadow behind the tree because the God who's in them is greater than the God that's in this world. See, they, they, all of a sudden now, we're training them. We don't talk about the other stuff. We talk about how good God is. We talk about his goodness. We talk about his vision for their life. We talk about his love. We talk about that it overcomes. And as you begin to train them that way, then they begin to become little soldiers in the army of God always knowing that their God loves them, takes care of them, and that he'll never leave them nor forsake them. And now all of a sudden, we, we've changed it from a group of young kids who are scared to a group of warriors for Christ, whether they're four years old or eight years old or 12 years old or 20 years old, who know who they are in Christ and who are unscared. They're fearless, and they go forward in what God told them to do. That's raising champions for God. That's raising young people who will take the next generation and take this world for Christ. You start as they're little and you continue to encourage them, continue to teach them that they don't have to be afraid. As you begin to change your mind, as they begin to change their mind, Romans 12, right? As you begin to change your mind, your life begins to be transformed. I think what might have happened in those years between when they said they're not going to go in and when Joshua came and they said they were going to go in, those people just didn't see the mistakes of the forefathers. They renewed their hearts. They renewed their minds to the word, the word that God said, I will bring you into this promised land and it will be your land. It'll be a land flowing of milk and honey. And I believe that they began to think that is possible. That is true. This is what God said. This is what we're going to do. They began to get past the fact that the Amorites were there and all those people were there and that the opportunities to fail existed all around them, that the opportunities to die as they went into battle. See, they were going to be faced with opportunities to die every moment that they went out with their sword, but they trusted God more than they trusted themselves. They trusted God more than they trusted the brother on the right and the left, and they said, if God be for me, then who could be against me? Let's go forward and let's reap the harvest for what God has. But that started all of those years ago as they were young people and they began to renew their mind to the truth of the word of God. There's something about seeing somebody else's life being a disaster and you understanding why it's like that that makes you realize I don't want to be that. Our son realized that my life was a disaster for about five, six years of his life and he, and he, he, he was a young boy at that time and as he grew and as he matured, I made sure that he understood the decisions that I made were horrible and that the devil was after me just like he was after my father and after my grandfather and he's after him. And I began to tell him all of these things and this is what's happening, this is what's going down and this is the truth, man. And I'm telling you, if you want to be successful, then you best be, aw be aware of this and you best stay away from this. And you know what he did? He began to say, I'm, I, I, I don't want to be like that. So he began to make different choices. He began to renew his mind differently than the way I did when I was his age. He, he began to put himself in better positions than I did. Just like the children of Israel, over those years, those 40 years of wandering, they're, form, they're formulating something on the inside of them. They're not formulating hatred. You know how I know? Because they were victorious, and hatred isn't part of God's love. 
So they were formulating the plan as they went around that mountain all of those times, not cursing the people who caused them to go around that mountain, but encouraging themselves and the Lord that when we get to that point when God says go, we're going to go and we're going to see the victory. And I think many times as believers, we haven't seen the victory along the way. I'm telling you what, from where you didn't see it, I'm telling you, encourage yourself in the Lord and you will see it. There's going to be a period of time and you can't stop encouraging yourself in the Lord. You can't begin to get scared. You can't begin to walk in fear, doubt, and unbelief because you haven't seen it yet. They still marched 40 years around that mountain until they came to the point where it was day one and God said, let's get up and let's roll. And when God said, get up and let's roll, they were ready to go and they went. And there was a preparation time for each one of them, no matter their age, from the time they were born until the time they got to that place, there was a preparation point. And they followed after the provision and the word of God, that they would assume the place that God had for them, that they would be in that spot. They took their vision and they even take the word of God and they wrap it up and they put it on their foreheads. Why? So they don't forget what God said. They tacked it up all around them that they had to spend their life really truly encouraging themselves in the Lord. The Holy Spirit makes things revolutionary in your life. And when you're, when you're not sure about what to do, Peter, he denied Christ three times. And the Holy Spirit comes into his life. Christ forgives him, and he tells him that it's going to be okay. The Holy Spirit comes into his life, and then he gets up with great boldness and tenacity and begins to preach a message that changes the lives of 3,000 people. There were a great opportunity to be scared and afraid. He was just scared and afraid. So if you're here today and say, well, I've been walking in fear. I've been scared. I'm not sure what to do. There's hope for all of us. Because he denied Christ three times because he was freaked out. Christ was going to the cross and everybody deserted Jesus. Peter said, not me. And he said, you'll do it three times. So he got so scared, he got so fearful that he denied Christ three times in that moment. But I'm telling you what, just a short period of time later when the Holy Ghost filled his life, the power came into his life. He didn't have to be afraid anymore. He was, a, he was a different kind of guy at that point. Yes, he was forgiven, and yes, Jesus told him he was going to be okay, but the power of God had entered his life, and now he could live his life unscared, and he just let loose. In your life, live your life unscared. Let loose. Let loose. Let God be God. If he asks you to do something big, do something big. If he asks you to do something you're not sure about that, man, he, he told you to do it, go do it. If he, if he said do it and you say, man, that's scary, say, I'm going to go through there unscared. How many of you have had your kids and you've tried to get them to go on, you know, the scary rides or whatever? You've tried to get them to go on the haunted house or whatever it was. And they're I'm scared, I'm scared. Maybe it's just, you know, like our kids, it was the uh, pop used to go to the jungle car wash. And there were a couple of them that didn't like the jungle car wash over by the mall, you know. It kind of freaks me out, too. It's got these crazy monkey shrill things going, reek, reek. I mean, it, it's a little freaky. But they didn't like that. And, you know, what do you do? You just say, it's all right. It's all good. Come on. We're going. It's good. You're going to be okay. There's nothing in here that can hurt you. Your God's bigger than us. Go. Don't let fear hold you back. Don't let anxiety hold you down. Don't let those things come against you. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he has to flee. When those things rise up, you just smile and push right past. You fight a fight. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. He's given us all the armor. He's given us all the weapons. He's told us in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he said that, that you have the ability to put down all those vain imaginations. When fear comes, that's just a vain imagination coming towards you. You can put that down and live unscared. Right? First Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, I don't have a spirit of what? Fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. When those things come, you learn the word. You learn the word. So when those things come, you put them down. 
Those guys marching back from that time when they had the grapes and they had all the good stuff and they said, man, this land is flowing with milk and honey. They should have been remembering and reminding themselves of what God said. This is our land. This is our land. We're going in there. Because they're nervous. They're upset. They have an opportunity to be scared because there's tall, big people there. They got to be saying to themselves, I'm bigger than them. Our God's bigger than them. Our God said. See, they should have been encouraging themselves in the Lord as they went back. Instead, they couldn't wait to get back to tell everybody how bad it was going to be. And it took their 11-day 11 11 journey to 40 years. You know, it says in 2 Timothy 1.7 that we're supposed to realize in our life that we don't have fear, that it's not something that God gave us. But he gave us power, love, and a sound mind and stand. But it says in the verse before that, it says, stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. He reminds Timothy to stir up the gift. That laying on of hands and the Holy Spirit that came into his life begin to stir up the gift on the inside of you. Begin to pray in the Spirit. Begin to pray in tongues. Begin to get that thing going on the inside of you. Why? Because where that is, faith is. Where that is, love is. Where that is, the presence of God is. And fear can't be anywhere around there. See, when those moments come and you're all by yourself, I learned this when I was young and, and all of these things would happen. I learned to begin to pray in the Spirit instead. Whenever I felt fear, whenever I felt lust, whenever I felt this, whenever I felt that, whenever I wanted to smoke, whenever I wanted to drink, when I was done, I learned real quickly, you begin to pray in the Spirit, that stuff goes away. Fear can't stand in the middle of faith. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, you're encouraging yourself in your most holy what? Faith. So when you begin to do that, when those things begin to come, you begin to pray in the Spirit. When you look at your checkbook, your heart starts beating fast, you don't know what you're going to do and the bills aren't going to be able to pay, begin to pray in the Spirit. I'm not going to tell you that you're going to get the answer right then. I'm not going to tell you that Ed McMahon's going to ring on your doorbell and he's going to bring you a check that moment. I'm going to tell you, though, you won't be afraid. You'll begin to get strengthened. You'll begin to get encouraged on the inside. You'll all of a sudden begin to be fortified. All of a sudden, things begin to change, and now you're starting to say, I don't know what I'm going to do, but God's going to do something. I don't know where it's going to come from, but it's going to come from somewhere. And all of a sudden, your whole mentality begins to change. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Something about praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit that does that. Fear distorts your vision, and it holds, your, it holds you captive. Fear holds you captive. Have you ever seen that? I mean, people, like, they just, they just all of a sudden, they, get, they just get trapped. You can't even get them to move. They're so scared. Some people won't even come out of their house anymore because they're so scared of what's out there. They won't even leave. I mean, fear will hold you captive and hold you bound, and then the enemy just laughs because he's slowly, moment by moment, just killing you a little at a time. He's not just going to destroy you right now. He's just going to destroy you a little at a time. He's going to make your life miserable in that moment. We can't allow that to happen. That's not who we are. Jesus came to give us his peace so that we wouldn't have to walk in that. He says, be anxious for nothing in Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing. Psalms 37, 8 says, don't fret, don't be anxious, don't be upset, don't be worried, don't be scared, don't be fearful. It only causes harm. People say, well, there's a, a healthy dose of fear. No, I don't think so. I don't think there's any healthy dose of fear. I've actually started to do a few things with Elizabeth. I, I, I'm ready to jump out of an airplane. I think I shared this before. Because I, I, don't, I don't want the fear of jumping out of an airplane with a parachute, <laughs> not to get away from her. I don't want the fear of those things to stop me from doing anything that God wants me to do. 
I've talked to a few people about going to the Sudan, and sometimes it's jestful. You know, I'd love to take you. It'd be great. And they go like, no, I couldn't do that. Like immediately, no, I, no, no, no. Why? I'm not saying I'm going to take you right now. I'm going to say pray about it, and if God said go, what would you do? See, because it's safer to be in the Sudan if God said go to the Sudan than it is to be in Lafayette, Indiana, and God said go to the Sudan. Because if you're, you see, you know what, you know, because if God said go and you stay here because you're a what? Afraid. What happens to his hand? See, it comes off. But God says go, and you say, okay, God, I'll go, and you go. God's hand's where? It's on you there. And where do you want to be? Wherever God wants me to be. Why? Because that's where his hand is. So think about it. I mean, I, I, you know, that was a little, that was, a, you know, going to the Sudan, was, that was interesting. But from day one, I knew that God told me, you're going to have to make a difference. You're going to have to, you're going to have to change your mind. You're going to have to make a decision. I don't want you going scared. I don't want you going afraid. I don't want you going worried about what might happen, going about worried. You need to go in faith, 100% totally in faith, knowing this is me and knowing that I'm with you. And when I got there, I realized why. Because everything there could kill you. And that was not the place to be operating in fear. See, you, you, you need to be operating in faith in your life. Living unscared, the opportunity to do whatever God said. Whenever God says go, you're ready to go. Whatever God says do, you're ready to do. And you say, well, that, that's, that's, that's risky. Uh-huh. It is. The definition of risk, I've said it before and used it, to expose yourself to the chance of injury, damage, loss, or hazard. How many of you have stepped out in faith into a place where you didn't know what you were doing? I'm telling you, in, in our lives, you know, in, in all of our lives, God is asking us to trust him financially in our life. How many of you have written a check and said, okay, God, I am telling you what, I am writing this and putting it in. Like that guy who came that day. To the, I never forget that, that day in the, in the, in the office. And he came and he, and he, had, he, had, he had signed up to, to do a hole for, for, for putt-putt, $2,000. And, and when it all push came to shove, man, he knew God was telling him to pay that $2,000. But he didn't even have $2,000. I think he had $1,600 at the first part, I think. And he came in that day and said, I know God is telling me to do this. Basically had it in his hand and said, pull it out of here really hard. <laughs> and he said, all I have is this much money. But he said, I know God's asking me to do this. See, you are putting yourself in a place. He has a fa- this guy has a family. He, he's, not, he's, not, he's not just some, some guy on his own. He's got a family. He's got kids. He's got a business. He's trying to make it. He exposed himself to the chance of injury, damage, loss, or hazard. But if he's doing what God told him to do, then it's not that kind of risk. It's faith. You're exposing yourself not to risk of loss and all those things. You're exposing yourself to the goodness and the greatness of God and him pouring out the blessing that's untold. That's what you're exposing yourself to. And we, we took that check and prayed for him and said, God's going to make a way. He's going to open up doors for you. This is going to be a blessing in your business. We believe that God's doing something. And he said, I'll be back whatever Monday or whatever the next day was with the other 400 Sure enough, man, he came back that day with the other 400 and was like, here you go. Come on, God. I'm out here. 
There's no better place to be. There's no better place to be than out here because God's moving. comes from all over the place. You don't know where it comes from. It just comes. You don't know how it happens. It just happens. You don't know how God's going to do it. He just does. But I'm telling you if, you, if you live scared, you won't see it. If you live afraid, you won't, you, it won't happen. Gideon, and we'll end with this, really. It's about putting demand on your potential. This guy comes into the office that day with those checks. He is saying, okay, God, you said. He didn't say, you know what? I'm going to give a little because I want God to give me a little. That's not what he said. He didn't come in and say, you know what? I want to be blessed, so I'm going to do this. He came in and said, God told me to do this, and so I'm doing it. God said to bring this, so, I, so I'm bringing it. He said to plant it, so I'm planting it. Maybe in your life, God said to say it, so you're saying it. Maybe in your life, you're in a place where God said, believe it, so you're believing it. You ain't seen it. Sounds a little outlandish to even say it. But you know, God, I'm not just talking about the dream for your life. I'm talking about what he wants you to do tomorrow. What you're believing for for your kids. What you're believing for for your situation. Don't be afraid for your kids. Stand in faith for your children. Don't be afraid for your teenagers and your 20-somethings and the ones who are going some other direction. Don't be afraid that they might fall into a ditch. Have faith and pray that they'll follow after God. God's word won't return void. It will, it will come down like the rain. It will water the ground. That seed and that harvest has to come forth. Don't be afraid. Be in faith. See, when he brought that money in and he put that in the offering, he said, this is, I am bringing it in. And I'm not, this isn't a message about money. This is a message about putting a, a demand on your potential, stepping out in faith. Those people in numbers, it could have changed dramatically. It could have changed quickly. It could have been an 11-day journey instead of a 40-year odyssey and losing of their life. But they decided to be scared instead of living their life unscared. Instead of living their life with no fear, but going forward. I'll tell you who got it, the ones who came after them. Praise God for that. I don't want us to fall so that the ones who come after us can get it from our horrible example. I want the ones who come after us to be better than us because we did it right, and they're going to follow our example, and God never does something less than what he did the first time. And how about we do something great, and then our kids can do something greater? Whoa. I'm excited that my kids are better than I was. I'm excited that they're smarter than I am. I'm excited that they're more blessed than me. I, I, I'm thrilled. I, I, I can't be any happier because they're getting something. Could you imagine what you could have done with an extra 10 years, an extra 20 years of doing it right, of not living scared, of not, not cut, just hiding in a corner? Don't rue that day. Forget it. Let God turn that around for good in your life, and let's go forward. I'm telling you, Gideon put a demand on that potential. He took a word from God, and that's what I'm sharing tonight, 
is the idea that two weeks ago we talked about a word from God and him sharing with us, not just a one-time deal, but God, I'm seeking your face each day and I am writing down the things that you're speaking to me and telling me. I don't understand what you just told me. I don't understand what you just said. I can't even figure out a way that this could ever happen, but I am putting it on paper because I know that if you're telling me this, it's going to happen. That I am so on your side that I don't care. I don't care what I see. I don't care what people think. Gideon was hiding in a wine press, threshing the wheat. That says he was afraid. It says that he was scared. Why? Because he was the lowest of the low. It said he was the youngest of the youngest. That he was the weakest of the weakest. That this kid, really, if anybody had a right to be afraid, it was this guy. See, and maybe you're here today and say, you don't know my, man, I got everybody after me. Even my family's after me. I mean, I got everybody after me. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. I don't know how I'm going to make it tomorrow. Don't be scared. Stand in faith. See, if anybody had a right to be afraid, it was this guy. It was Gideon. He was saying, man, I don't understand. The angel said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And I'm telling you what, that's the word spoken to him. What did God tell you two weeks ago? What did he tell you yesterday? What did he tell you last night? What did he tell you this morning when you got up? Part of my job is just being a, being a big cheerleader and saying, come on, don't give up on me now. Come on. Chasing everybody around, rattling some cages. Come on. Keep throwing rocks at your window. Hey, wake up. Keep praying. Don't give up. Gideon said, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has this happened? If I really, if I don't have to be afraid, then why do I face all this? We all do because the devil hates you. He does not like you. He does not want you to, he does not want you to be victorious at all in any area of your life. That's why. But he goes on and he says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? That's big words. Have I not sent you? I mean, we're talking about God. And this is the lowest of the low. And he said, Have I not said this about you? Get your mind wrapped around this idea that you're not that person. I don't care what your driver's license says. I don't care what your family tree. I don't care where you fell off of. That is not who you are. I have called you and proclaimed you to be a mighty man of valor. I have said to you that you'll do this. I've said that this is who you'll be. I said this is what you're going to see. I told you, write it down. Why? Because I mean it. I mean it. See, get a hold of it. Get a hold. You might have come in here and said, I don't even know what he, I, I don't know, but something on the inside of me is stirring. That's God. Write it down. Get a hold of it. Don't be scared. Get up out of that wine press. Could he, could he have done what he did if he stayed in the press? Could he have done what he did if he still saw himself as the lowest of the low? Somewhere in between where that happened and where God began to tell him this, he all of a sudden changed his mind and he decided, you know what? If I'm going to die, I'm going to die, whatever, but I'm going to do it unscared. 
You want to see what God told you? You want to you see what you got in your heart? Then I'm telling you what, live tomorrow like there's not going to be another day. Swinging that sword and waving that shield and stomping up and down and proclaiming the goodness of God and touching people's lives and changing things. You can do that. We can all do that. Don't ever think it's you. <laughs> Gideon got him a big group. <laughs> okay, God, we'll do this. I get me as many people as I can find. <laughs> God said, remember, it's me. It's me. And in your life, you got to remember it's him. But God said, he told him, have I not sent you? And, and Gideon replied and said, my Lord, how, how can I save Israel? Indeed, I, my clan is the weakest, you know, the weak. And, and the Lord said to him, surely, didn't change his name. He said, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. See, when you go out of here charged up on fire because God spoke something to you, when you come out of your prayer closet like a shot because you know you heard God, you don't have any idea how it's going to happen, but you know you heard it. When something stirs on the inside of you from what he told you two years ago and you're going, I don't even know what that is, man. I almost gave up on that. Don't give up on that. Why? Because just what he said here. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. He said before that, have I not sent you? Have I not told you? Have I not given you that word? Have I not proclaimed that about you? Does my word not say? God will encourage you all day long. He will fire you up. He will stoke you up. But you have got to open the door and go outside your house. Somewhere along the way, no matter how fired up and no matter how hot he gets you and no matter how much you get to stomping in your prayer closet and start praying in the spirit and start doing some stuff and God starts making you just be all different and you know that you can overcome anything and he's about to move on your behalf. Somewhere along the way, you got to get out of your house. Somewhere along the way, you got to climb up out of that wine press and say, okay, you can change your mind. You can get yourself stirred up. You can get yourself stoked up. But somewhere you got to open up them doors and say, Look out, devil. Here I come. And I ain't afraid. I ain't scared. And I'm ready for whatever God's got for me. Amen. Let's stand up together. You fired up? Woo! God's good. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.